listening to Totally Pro League. This is hockey. Oh, that's a fantastic finish. There's a deflection shot. Beats the keeper. Play waved on. There's the shot. Goes goal through. And welcome to episode 10 of Totally Pro League. And there's plenty of goals in the introduction there. There's been plenty of goals in the Pro League in the last week as well. And to talk me and you through it, we're joined by Melina Gaspar, hockey tragic from Argentina, and you may have heard the voice on the Hockey Family Podcast. Melina, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to join you in this podcast, and I say hi from Argentina. Uh, Thank you for having me. Well, we're trying to spread the love across the globe, the hockey love, and uh, that includes Argentina, Melina. We're glad you've joined us and hopefully get a bit of an insight of um, to what how the uh, Pro League's being uh, received in Argentina and maybe the effects it's having on local hockey and uh, all the accompanying <laughs> stuff that goes along with that. But first of all, we've got to get through the results because there's a few matches to get through in the last week. Um, and we started last Wednesday way back on the 10th of April and the first game up was Belgium and the United States the women's side of things it was played at 18.30 at Royal Uckle Sports in Brazil and sorry in Brussels I've got South America on my mind so a home game for Belgium and for mine of all the games that we're going to talk about it was probably one of the best across the weekend the the Belgium's getting up with a last grass goal in the 60th minute to take that game 2-1 against the United States team that was very plucky and even uh, conceding a yellow card in that last minute that probably cost them the goal I don't know were you able to catch this game at all Melina? Uh, unfortunately no but I I have seen how the Belgian women are doing good uh, they're growing. I think it has a lot to do with what the men are doing, and I'm happy they are joining the the hockey uh, top teams. And also, I appreciate uh, that because you know, for so long we have had uh, like the same teams always in the, in the top four and the top ten, and see new new teams like Belgium. Doing good is always great. Oh, it is, and they're they're developing into quite a nice team. The Belgium girls, it must be said. That I'm sure that seeing what the the, the men were able to do at um, the World Cup last year has given them a bit of a boost and shown them, you know, there's a golden road laid ahead if you're prepared to put the work in. And they're certainly working hard as a team. But and the United States played tremendously well. They're very dogged, if nothing else, and. You know, unlucky not to take away at least a point out of that particular game. Next up, we had uh, another women's game. It was played at 18.45 back on the 10th of April, the same day as uh, the Belgium-United States game, just 15 minutes later on, unfortunately for viewers, if you wanted to watch both at the same time. It was Netherlands versus China and pretty much went the way people thought it would go. And as a spectacle, well, it wasn't much that chop. Good for the Netherlands to get out and have a run. 6-0 is not the result you want. Although it must be said, it was 2-0 come three-quarter time. So the Dutch piled on four in the last quarter, just wore down the Netherlands. They scored their first goal in the seventh minute. So I don't know. It it, it was what you expected from it, I suppose, Melina. Yeah, yeah. We have seen what the Netherlands can do to teams. Yeah. Um, I think, well, you know, all the... All the teams, uh, I think, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the word word afraid, but they're cautious. And they try to concede the the less goals possible, but sometimes they just break you, and that's exactly what they did. Now, the next matchup uh, on the 10th was, once again, at Royal Uckle Sports, this time... Belgium versus Spain. It was the first of the uh, replay games, so to speak, where a team was coming up against a team they'd already played before. And the first game of the season was Belgium versus Spain. And here we are locked up again. First game around was quite a spectacle. And this was a spectacle as well, although for entirely different reasons than the first time around. Uh, Eventually, the Belgians get up. 7-3 7-3 over Spain, although the game was well and truly done and dusted at half-time with a 6-0 scoreline. 
the Belgians managed to uh, put on another one, so it was in the third quarter. 7-0 at three-quarter time. And that's when I think um, a lot of people probably turned the TV off if they hadn't already. They totally dominated that game, and Spain pinched a couple at the end. The Belgium are, you know, they're like trashing everyone since last World Cup. Uh, well, seven games set, says all. And they have like 60% of possession, uh, looking yeah. at the stats, right? Uh, 13 shots, 21 yeah. circle entries. Uh, they had all the penalty corners of the match, three against zero yeah. <laughs> of the, of the Spain. So that says a lot about their defense system. Um, and the times, uh, Spain could generate something, could create something. Well, they were shut out by the, by the Belgians. It was very much a clinic for the first half. Um, and you, you always knew Spain were going to come back at some stage because they seem to be a team that scores in little blocks. And uh, they did it again. They, they scored their three. Maybe it was in junk time, but maybe Spain are destined to score three in every game they play. <laughs> and you just got to score more <laughs> than them. Yeah, wins the one that scores more goals. <laughs> so yeah. the Belgians did that. Three yeah. is not a bad... Uh, a bad amount of goals but it's not enough in this case No, and certainly not at the time of the game they scored them that's for sure now let's move on to uh, the next games which you probably know a little bit more about than I do because you're there in Argentina and I'm asleep in my bed at that time of the morning (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we move on to April the 13th and we are at Estadio Mundo Lista in Rosario and at 3.30pm Argentina took on New Zealand in the women's side of things and, uh, do, well, you can probably talk us through that game, Melina. Yeah, um, we could see how the women, uh, well, they dominated the game. They did it before when they went to, to Auckland to play. And, well, they did it again. The, the black sticks tried to, to revert the, the previous result. They lost 3-0. But couldn't. And I think Argentina likes to play against uh, New Zealand because uh, they leave some spaces to. So they, the you know, the, our forwards are very fast mm. and they can get into those spaces. Um, well, we were a little bit worried about uh, their top goal scorer and also about uh, Stacy Mickelson, but they couldn't do much in that game. So it was a great game because, uh, well, that was the last game. Um, they could obtain another win and that secured their, their place in the final four, uh, in this pro league. So it was a, a, a great boost for the, for, for the girls. And also, um, that mark how, how good they are doing under coach, uh, Retegi. We know that uh, Retegi came back. They they were coached before by them. So this marks how good he's doing uh, with his tenure of this of this team. It's a very experienced team too, isn't it, Melina? I mean, these for a lot of these girls are at the the top of their game, and this is the time that they should be winning things. Yes, they are experienced, but. They have like a mix of players in the team. That's exactly what Carlos Retegui likes. He did it back in 2010 when they were world champions. Uh, he's uh, doing that again. For example, he added three players um, that were like retired from the team. That, For example, you have Carla Rebecchi, who was a yeah. former captain. Uh, she has been brilliant. Since she came back to the team, um, no, I mean we know the kind of player Rebecca is, but nobody expected her to be in that um, <laughs> so much, so fit after having a baby, and and she is doing it. I mean she's she's great. She has always been, and you can see that now too. And also two more players came: uh, Rosario Lucchetti and Silvina Delia. Uh, and those were key players also in 2010 when they obtained the, when they were world champions. So those are like the, the old ones. 
And then we have, I don't know, like Delfina Marino, you know, she has been in the team for a few years now. Yeah. Uh, but she's not that experienced. And then we have the youngsters. For example, uh, Eugenia Trincinetti, she's been doing so good on the flanks. And she's been assisting the goal scorers. She also had some pretty nice opportunities to score, but since she likes to assist more than score, it's like in her DNA, <laughs> she does that. And also we had, uh, you know that last year, here we had the young Olympic Games? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and they had like a, well, Carlos Reteki was coaching both the women and the, and the men, both obtained the gold medal, and three of the players that played there last year in, in the Young Olympic Games, uh, were added to the team. And they are like 15, 16, 18, wow. no more than 18. So they were, uh, they were also part of the team. So we have a nice mix of, of players, and they are doing good because one learned from the other, and also one of the players uh, also plays with um, with Carla Rebecki at a club level, and she's been saying how how helpful Rebecki has been has been uh, for her. So I think it's great because you don't need just youngsters or just experienced players, and uh, well, that is giving results to the team. Oh, look there. They're a really good team to watch too. I, I love the way they play hockey and watching them play. And uh, they're in great form. It's going to be a tough slog through Europe though. But if they can maintain any semblance of the form they're in now, they're going to be there right at the pointy end, you'd think. Uh, let's move on to the next game for the day. And that was played, is that the 13th? Yeah, we're still on the 13th of April. Um, played in the Netherlands. It was the Netherlands versus Spain played at 6pm at Hockey Club Rotterdam in Rotterdam. That's what it says here on my FAH seat. Someone was telling me something else, but I'm, I'm sure I'll get a message about that <laughs> if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, look, this was Spain coming off the back a couple of days later, earlier of being uh, spanked 7-3, and it was a spanking. <laughs> um, the Netherlands, well, they didn't let up on them, did they? They got over the top of the Spanish 4-0. It was almost a result that you sort of saw coming that the the Netherlands would be smarting from not having won many games out of their first handful and this was their chance to go after a slightly wounded team and sink the teeth in and they, I think they did that in the end mm-hmm. yeah 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 and the Netherlands needed that result you know that although they are great, they have a great pool of players they haven't been obtaining the the results they wanted uh, right now they are sixth in the standings, so I think this 4-0 or 4-0 win is a much needed result for them, and it was uh, what you expected to see from them. Yeah, very much so, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the shape of the team changes to once certain European uh, commitments are up, and um, I, I think that'll that'll be a com- very different team than the one that turns out if it makes the finals come uh, the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, the more games you play, the more the more you get better. And also, I think well, this pro league is so different because you know in in other tournaments you can just play like I don't know four games at least in just one week. Yeah. And now you have to prepare for just one game in a week. And that must be taking a toil on the on the players' minds, and they have to like to accommodate to this new new tournament. Although we have, uh, I mean, like three months, four months already of this tournament, but uh, having your mind in uh, like for years that you have to play like four or five games in a week, and yeah. now you have to play in this format, new format is different. Oh, yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's what's going on with the Netherlands, and like you said, uh, maybe the the European tournament will fix that. Let's get on to the next game because once again, it's one you will uh, have a fair idea about, and it's 
Once again, Argentina versus New Zealand at Estadio Mundalistia in Rosario. This time the men, though, and a far closer game and in some ways a far more entertaining game than, than, the, than the ladies' games purely because it, we had a tight scoreline. And it was uh, 4-3 in the end to Argentina. And they were up early, 3-1 at the end of the first period, but then New Zealand came back uh, and scored a goal and went into half-time at 4-2. Still 4-2 at three-quarter time, so there was always a sniff there for New Zealand, and they managed to score a goal just after three-quarter time to make it uh, 4-3. Just couldn't get that final goal in to drag it into a shootout, could they? Mm, Yeah, right. It was a very exciting and entertaining game. Uh, Well, it's always like that with the men. You have lots of, of goals, lots of uh, skills and I think it was a great result for Argentina because they were playing like with ups and downs uh, like one they win the other they tie the other they lose or so it was a great uh, game for Argentina because that showed them that they can they can win with this team they've been like uh, flooded with uh, speaking of youngsters, uh, with the youngsters, for example, when they went to play to New Zealand, and they had a like 14 players, um, many of the seniors, the the long-time seniors, had been injured. So this this game, after also after losing to Great Britain so badly, for five to one, <laughs> uh, it was a great. Moral boost. Yeah, that, that game was terrible for them. Uh, it was like, what is going on? <laughs> you know? yeah. And so, having, having this result to New Zealand uh, was a was a good one for them, and I hope they can uh, do better in the next games. Look, I, I, when you look at New Zealand, they've been um, probably a little bit unlucky. I don't think they played bad hockey at all. They've just just Something's missing in their in their mix somewhere, and I think there's probably one thing that needs to click, and they'll be a far better team than their their table position shows. Um, but Argentina, and as you mentioned, a home win and a very important home win, considering that the the travel aspect now comes up for the team. Right, right, yeah, and we know that results on the road are, are hard to get, or harder to get, at least. Uh, yeah, about New Zealand. I mean, the the scores is at all. It was a pretty tight game, and they could have won it, but Argentina did. And uh, well, we'll see what they can do now on the road. Um, we have to see the the list of players that are going to to play, uh, because like I said, they've been dealing with injuries, and that has been a, a factor. And, and also, well, we know that they that Gonzalo Pelat is not on the team. We don't know when he's going to come back, so that's a big lose for them. And finally, on to the uh, last game of the round. It was on the 14th of April at Hockey Club Rotterdam. This time, it was the Netherlands women up against the United States women once again. Um, for a uh, 4 p.m start to this particular match and it, you know what, I was really disappointed with this result, the, the Netherlands got up 7-1 in the end it was one all at the end of the first quarter but it was all downhill from there for the United States sadly um, they've played some games this season where they've been absolutely right in it and but just played really really well and then every now and then they get cut open by a team and the Netherlands just totally dominated them Post quarter time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know what's going on really with United States. They were so good, um, at least in the last World Cup. Uh, no, in 2014. Um, and they've been like, uh, like, and regressing since then. Um, well, we have a lot of players that are not playing anymore for the United States, including the captain. Yeah. So. But they haven't have won a game in the entire in the entire pro league. They have played eight, 
Yeah. And well, it must be pretty disappointed, uh, disappointing from them. Uh, well, they had the the the, the difficult one, <laughs> difficult one in the the last game. Uh, the Netherlands seventy-one. Wow, that's a difficult must, one. Must I like that, Melina. Hit them. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I speak Spanish, so. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, so uh, I hope they can recover. I mean, seven-one is a pretty tough result. Um, well, if I were a player, a uh, United States player, uh, I could see it both ways. I mean, I could see like now nah, we're bad, this sucks, and or I could see like, okay, we have, uh, we are in the in the bottom. And now we have to to do it better, do simple things, and do it better. As a player, I've always thought that getting flogged by a really good team at least lets you know where you stand, <laughs> and that uh, there's yeah. no there's no getting around that. There's no pretending about it or anything. You, that's that's how good we are, boys. Got to get better, or girls, as the case may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I, you know, the for example, the captain. Melissa Gonzalez, I don't know her reasons to retire, but sometimes it must be pretty frustrating for your career to see that you're not doing good enough or your team is good enough. That has been a factor for her to to retire. So that's why I, I said that about the players. Sometimes the, some decide to step aside when they, they don't get the results in that. I respect that because sometimes you recognize there is someone better uh that can that can take your place and that happened with Argentina too i mean we have some players like Noel Barrino who decided to step aside from the team and i respect that because maybe she was like a top uh goal scorer like i don't know 9 years ago but not anymore so even though the coach can keep calling you uh you know that's not the best for the team I'm sure there's a lot still to, to play out with the United States and, um, you know, they've got a hard road against them once they get to Europe. Time, though, to turn our attention to the goal scorers across the men's and women's competitions and let's start with the women. So far, they have scored 123 goals from the 34 games, which is an average of 3.61, so it's jumped up by 0.2 thanks to last weekend's games. Um, 56 percent of goals are coming from the field. They've scored 70 out of that 123. So still a heavy reliance on scoring from penalty corners there, you'd think. And on the men's side, oh, goal scorers. Got to go through the top goal scorers first. Uh, guess who's on top? Olivia Merry. She didn't score at the weekend, but she's still up there on eight goals. Five from the field, two from penalty corner, and she's pegged a stroke as well. In uh, second, equal second place, there's Four players on four goals. Alex Gurniers from Belgium. Julieta Yankunis from Argentina. I hope I got that run right. Frederic Matla from the Netherlands. And Kai Van, Mans- Kai Van Masaka from the Netherlands as well. They've all scored four goals. On to the men's side of things. 148 goals scored at an average of 5.69 per game, which is up slightly. They're still going 71%. Uh, from the field, which um, that's where we'd like to see the women's go. I don't know, how do you feel about that, uh, Melina? Is there too many goals being scored from penalty corners in the ladies' side of things? Um, In the case of Argentina, are you asking? Or 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 in general, just in general. Oh, uh, in the case of penalty corners, well, we have... Olivia Murray, who scored two, and Alex Corniers, who scored three from the penalty corner. That's, I think that's a thing the women has been dealing with uh, lately, uh, since we don't have uh, like quality shooters, like I don't know, like Margie Bauman, uh, that you know she took the the ball and uh, from a penalty corner, and you knew. That she was going to score at least 90% yeah. of the time. Yeah. Uh, but I think Olivia Mary has been very good in that, in the penalty corners. Um, 
In the case, for example, you mentioned Julieta Jankunas. Uh, she hasn't uh, scored from the penalty corner, but it's not, she's not in charge of that play. And then we have Frederick Matla, and she's not a shooter too, but she scored one. Um, I think the women are doing good with the goals. We had lots of goals in the, in the games. Yeah. Um, but they have missed many too. <laughs> uh, sometimes we had like a, a lot of circle penetrations in the, the stats of the games. Uh, they were just, for example, one goal. Uh, you know, they have to be better in that, in that matter. I mean, they have great skills, <clears throat> but if you don't finish that, uh, it's not that good. I mean, adds quality to the game, but you also want to see goals. Let's have a look now at the tables and how are the standings at the moment. This time around, we'll start with the men and uh, Australia finally have uh, fallen off the top of the table. Three weeks, I think, they've been at the top without having actually played a game. And Belgium have skipped in front to first position. They're on 80% from the five games they've played. So three wins and a shootout loss. Uh, 80% is pretty good. If you can maintain 80%, you'll be there at the end. Australia's slipping down to that second position. They're still on 76%. Uh, Great Britain have slipped from second to third. Belgium are up from third. Uh, Great Britain on 75%. Four, three wins from their four games that they've played. Then comes Argentina. They've jumped up a place thanks to their win on the weekend over New Zealand. They've played the eight though. They're running at 50%, uh, which is going to be somewhere around the cutoff point. You want to have a pretty good goal difference if you're running around 50%. Germany have slipped down to fifth percent. They've got some games coming this weekend. Uh, only five games played. The Netherlands remain where they are, having played six games. They're only on 50% at the moment, having only two wins. Then Spain in seventh place and New Zealand in eighth with just 8.3%. Uh, a little bit of movement as well on the women's side of things. Netherlands have taken top spot off Argentina there. Um, seven games played to the Netherlands. They're running at 85.7%. They've had six wins and just the one loss down here in Australia. Argentina have played the 10 games. Uh, they've had seven wins, but they're running at 83%, which at this stage keeps them up near the top. And if they keep going at 83%, they'll be probably about where they are at the moment at the end of the season. Belgium are in third place, uh, four wins from six games. Australia are in fourth place, clinging on with 58%. They've only had four wins from their eight games. Germany are an interesting team. Uh, they've gone up a place. They've only played the four games, though, which is the one win on 41%. New Zealand slip a place down to sixth on 40%. Then comes Great Britain. You just don't know what they're going to deliver. They've only played the five games, and uh, they've got a few in hand over the rest of the competition. On 33%, then China's eighth. And uh, disappointingly, the United States, having played eight games and had no wins, which I'm not sure will be making them terribly happy at the moment. How do you think uh, the Argentinian teams are fair? Is that a fair representation of where you think they'll end up, Melina? We've got the second for the women and fourth for the men. Uh, yeah, I think um, in the case of the women, yes. They have just one, one loss to to Netherlands. They lost 2-1. Uh, they had some ties also, uh, draws. Um, but mostly of the games they dominated um, from uh, they dominated their opponents uh, they've been doing good um, like I said we have a new coach now and I think the, his mentality his winner winning mentality uh, that's what what he's been working on to, to put on the players um, in the case of the men well, they are in fourth place, but they have eight games, and so so teams like Great Britain have four, uh, Belgium have uh, has five, and so we know maybe they are going to to drop some positions uh, when the other teams um, uh, start playing their games. The and and the 
I mean, they get to play more games. Um, so I don't know. In the case of the men, it can go uh, both ways. I mean, they they had been obtaining different results. They had been playing with different squads. So I don't know how the the things are going to go for them. In the case of the women, I think the 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 results that had been obtaining has been more, um, uh, you know, not predictable, but um, is what you expect to see. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is what you expect to see from them, um, having in mind the the, I mean, how you have seen them play so far. Uh, I hope they can keep maintaining the results they got and more importantly keep building uh, on 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 the chemistry among the team and, and also doing the things the coach uh, indicates. Listening to Totally Pro League. I'm your host John Lee, and I'm joined this week by Melina Gasper. She's an Argentinian hockey tragic. And just before we get to talk about Argentina, uh, there has been a release from the FIH, a Pro League match schedule update. It all the executive board has approved the Pro League match schedule principles. So uh, from the 20 and 21 seasons, the league competition will be maintained within the first six months of the year, so it'll take up the same space on the calendar. All games remain home games. Now, what that actually means makes sense when you get to the next bit. The home and away principle is to be kept, but this principle will be now split over two consecutive seasons and work according to the following example. So in 2020, Team A will host Team B, but Team A will host them twice at home. And then next year, when it comes to Team A playing Team B, Team B will host Team A twice. Uh, it's an effort to cut down on airfares, etc. The other big news from uh, this particular release was that India will be joining the FIH Pro League, but it's only men, not the women's team, which is very, very disappointing for a whole host of reasons. Don't know much more about it than that at this stage, uh, so we won't talk about it today. Just let you know that that has been released by the FIH, and um, yeah, we'll have plenty of opportunity to talk about what that will mean for the Pro League in coming episodes. But while we have Melina with us, Melina, what has been the response in Argentina to the Pro League? Has there been media interest, and how has the hockey family taken to it? Here, well, pretty good. Because we didn't have uh, many many matches in the last few years, uh, they, I mean the the federation had a a problem with the federation here in Argentina, so they they didn't give us <laughs> uh, <laughs> tournaments or anything. Uh, well, there has been a little bit of turmoil <laughs> in the last few years, and that. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty bad, you know, in the last few years for the federation here in Argentina and uh, uh there was like the dark years for it. Okay. Um we might keep that for the reverse yeah, stick. We'll get you on there to talk about that. Okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> the dirty stuff. Yeah, that's it. And no yeah. Third stuff. Uh, well, leaving that aside, that had repercussions on the on both teams, and I mean it's it's natural when the federation doesn't do good uh, properly. Well, the teams are the ones that suffer. Uh, well, hopefully, and um, and a better, happy, and a happier note, uh, we have now. Uh, now that our national teams can play here, and also we can see many. Great players coming to play here, and people has been very excited about it. For example, it's it's uh, very important to to say that in the um, in the match between Las Leonas and Germany, I don't know if anyone remembers that game, but uh, it lasted like three hours because oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, due to the rains and lights and and thunders, and they got the game like three times. And the players didn't know what to do. The coaches were fighting. Should we keep going this, uh, keep this going or not? Uh, well, they did. The Las Leonas win. Um, I mean, the draw, but after that in the shootouts, they win. 
And the people stayed. I mean, a thunder could have hit him, but they didn't care. <laughs> they stayed there. Uh, yeah, even, even, I mean, there were kids, families, um, and they stayed. And that was, that was great because uh, you don't see that kind of <laughs> faithful no. relationship between fans and, and the team sometimes. But that was, uh, worth noted. Um, and it was a highlight of, of the game. Um, so the people, yeah, has been responded, uh, very well here. Uh, sadly, uh, well, I live in a place where Las Leones didn't come to play, but, uh, they were playing in Buenos Aires, Rosario, and there is, the field there is called Luciana Aymar, and Las Leones love to go to play there, and it's a special, special place for them. And also for them, because, you know, the, the games has been scheduled for the same day, different mm-hmm. hours, so people can enjoy both games, and and they go to both both games. Um, the media, well, that's it's a little bit different here, because you know that the women has been on the world stages for, I mean, longer than the men. Yeah. I mean, like from 2000, Las has been well known. Uh, since Sydney 2000 but the men is different so in the case of Argentinians well it's like we love the women more than the men I mean the uh, like I was saying to you before um, like the women have a history a background yeah. that the men don't have and I think that has uh, like um, um, like that had a or, or left a mark in people's hearts. And that's why there is this big relationship between women and, and the, and the crowds, uh, that I don't really see for the men, although they get the gold medal, uh, in Rio. I mean, they're, they are great for us, the men, but it's not like the same love, the same kind of love. I think Las Leonas, uh, move more people than the than the men's side. Is that reflected and in the junior numbers as well, Melina? Uh, do you find that there's more girls playing the game than than boys? Historically, yes. But after Rio, the things have been changing. I mean, even before that, um, you know, here there is this macho mentality. Uh, before. They said that hockey was for women and football for men. And many players uh, tell that, that when they were younger, um, people asked them or their their classmates knew they were playing hockey. They called them <laughs> like uh, a little miss or, or miss. Yeah. Uh, I mean, senorita, yeah. <laughs> as it would be in, in Spanish. Uh, or, well... Uh, worse things than that. Um, so yeah, but now it, it's kind of different. I mean, I think that the people that go to the clubs here, and um, I mean, they're like families. I mean, if you're a hockey player, even if you don't play for the national team, uh, you want your kids to play hockey. You you take them to the clubs when they're little. And then you let them choose, but if they grew up playing hockey, well, the the most likely thing is they will continue doing that. I think even even if they were calling them names to the men, uh, they didn't care. They kept uh, playing hockey. But since, uh, like I said, since there is this match mentality here that is now changing, uh, that's why there were more girls playing hockey than men. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that macho mentality because a lot of those soccer players like to fall over really, really easily, don't they? You never see a hockey player going down easily. (laughs) You always have to whack a hockey player to get them on the ground. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I saw the other day this this joke about how men in football defend and how men in in hockey defend. (laughs) And you know they they are putting their lives at risk, and they don't care they just go yeah. so no it's it's stupid i mean um 
but uh, sadly, that's how South America sometimes can be. Just before we get to next week's games, Melina, one thing that you've thought has been really good about the, the Pro League and one thing you thought has been really bad, whatever it may be. Well, one thing that has been pretty good for me is the fact that fans can see their national teams playing in home soil. Uh, that has been great for fans and also for players. Um, it's, uh, it's different when you can watch them uh, well, particularly here in Argentina, you know that they treat uh, hockey players like rock stars. And uh-huh. well, the 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 I think other teams also enjoy enjoy play here, and I think that's that's great. But what I don't really, I mean, it's not that I don't like pro league. Again. I think it has been great. But I think the the federation has to step up at the club level and and try to promote the game through that to that uh, path because you know uh, like I said probably has been great I th- I thought I wasn't going to enjoy it because I was so used to Champions Trophy and I was sad yeah. to see that uh, the last tournament and I. And thinking that we won't have really, um, uh, uh, like I said, Champions Trophy anymore. Yeah. But uh, I think the the federation should try to uh, make the make the sport grow through through the club level. Um, I say this because uh, well, I I wrote an article for the Hockey Family about that, and for example, in the case of football. Um, I mean, everyone loves their national team, but you know what? I mean, how many people uh, Champions League or other competitions gather? And like, I don't know, 50,000 or more or less. Uh, it's club level, and you you learn to love the players at a club level, and then you get excited to see them at a national team level. And that makes the, you know, the 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 rivalries uh, grow and everything. Yeah. And then you want to see those players and the national team facing each other. So I don't have anything negative to say about the pro league, um, but I think the the federation should uh, try to do that. And that's exactly what I what I saw about Australia. Now they are doing something like pro league, but uh, at a club level. And I think that's great. You are listening to Totally Pro League, because that's what we're talking about, the Pro League. I'm John Lee. My co-host today is Melina Gaspar from Argentina. You might have heard a voice with the hockey family on their podcast if you follow women's sport, you'll certainly have seen her tweets. Not that I can read them all, because quite a few of them are in Spanish, Melina. But you're not only across hockey; you're off <laughs> quite a, across quite a few sports, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a sports lover, so uh, that's why I tweet too much about it. Oh, it's good to see. And I, I know you're a big fan of our own Sam Kerr. Oh, Sam Kerr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's Great. She's, I mean, she's like a shining in the last few months. She's been getting gold, golden boots everywhere. Yeah. Uh, anyone expects a lot from her now that this year is the World Cup for women. So we'll see. I mean, she has a great team behind her. Yeah. Uh, Australia is very lucky. Well, also, uh, Lisa Devana grew up around the corner from where I'm living at the moment. She's another great Australian female soccer player for you. Nice to know. Yeah. <laughs> now I can get a, a jersey signed by her. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just roll around her place and knock on the door, shall I? <laughs> okay, said so to... Uh, please sign it for my greatest friend, Melina. <laughs> no worries, mate. All sorted. All sorted. Okay, let's have a look. Let's have a look ahead at uh, the games that are coming up now. Of course, it's Easter 
Well, it will be by the time you listen to this podcast because we're splitting it over two weeks. There's no pro league games across Easter. Everybody's eyes and attention is on the Euro Hockey League finals, I assume, across the hockey globe. Um, so if you're on your way to the game or waiting for one to start, you can be listening to Totally Pro League and find out what's going on in the world of Pro League. So there's no games this weekend, so we're split across two weeks. The first of the uh, the games in the next round will be taking place on the 25th, Thursday the 25th of April, and it's actually a big game. Uh, it's Australia versus New Zealand. Not many people overseas might realise, but April the 25th is what's known in Australia and New Zealand as Anzac Day, which uh, commemorates the sacrifice of uh, the original Australian and New Zealand troops that landed in Gallipoli during World War One and had got beaten up by the Turks, as it turns out. Um, but it, it also represents all wars that the nations have, have fought in and a celebration of that. So it's a, it's a big game for the Australians and New Zealanders. They'll both be fired up for that, for both the men and the women. Uh, the uh, women's game is getting underway at 2.30pm local time in New Zealand. The men's game, it's 4.30pm. Uh, so they'll be well, we're six hours or five or six hours behind. So it'll be a reasonable time in the morning for us, for me to watch the game. Uh, should be a good game though, Melina. There will be extra feeling in this game given it's played on Anzac Day and I'll guarantee you both coaches mention it. Who are you tipping there? Uh, Australia. The, those are my, are my favourites, uh, right now in that game. Um, they've been getting, I mean, better results than, than New Zealand. So I, but uh, for Australia right now and New Zealand well they can give a, a great match too it's uh it's like the classical you yeah. know there is uh, yeah it's going to be interesting I, I hope to see some uh, something something great for from both teams but my money is in Australia it's uh, almost like it's a, a weekend of grudge matches going on here uh, Friday it's Germany versus the Netherlands at a Hockey Park in... Oh, look, do I try pronouncing this name? I will. I'll have a go at it, and you can everybody can correct me later on. Mo, Gladback, Is that it? Mönchengladbach. I'll, give, I'll go with that. Uh, the women are underway at 6.30pm local time in Germany. Uh, the men are underway at 8.30pm. And uh, I'm sure these teams are going to go hell for leather at each other, both the men's and the women's, Germany versus Netherlands. That promises to be a great afternoon of hockey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Germany, um, well, in the case of the women, you know, Great Britain has to step up a little bit and try to get the results. Uh, Germany has just uh, four games, so well, they haven't had um, many tests but that will be a good one for them. And in the case of, of the men, well, uh, it's going to be interesting too. I mean, after, like I mentioned before, the 5-1 to one to Argentina, I have great faith in, in Great Britain. It's not that Argentina played that very well, but any team that can score that 5-1, to one is, is you must see, must um, think they're very, very, they are yeah. doing very well and they are strong in this tournament. Yeah, well, Great Britain are taking on the USA at Lee Valley at 2pm on Saturday the 27th. Um, take your tea leaves. That, that, that's another grudge match, Great Britain and the USA. They wouldn't like to admit it, but tell you what, it's, that 1776 is still simmering underneath the, the surface there. So the marketeers, get onto it. If you're a marketing person, get onto that. Make, get cups of tea happening. And uh, finally on the Sunday the 29th, uh, Germany are taking on China in the women's, that's a midday German time, and uh, they're taking on the men's Great Britain team at 2pm, once again at Hockey Park in Mugengladbach, I'll go with that that time uh, <laughs> yeah. see this is where Germany have got a couple of games, uh, they've got great great chance and opportunity to boost their percentage very shortly within these couple of games and get up the table a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah um, and also, you know, China hasn't been uh, showing much, um, and I believe that the, the it's not going to be an easy an easy match because you know how much Chinese 
women can run. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think those runs are not that good to run. But uh, Germany, well, you know, they have stopping horse and company, and they can do serious damage there. Oh, they can. And it, it looks like being a really entertaining weekend of hockey when you look at all those match-ups. And um, if you're not doing anything next weekend, you should be parking your bum in front of the television screen and, and watching them. How do, how do those uh, afternoon European times fit in with you, Melina, in Argentina? Uh, well, it depends on the day. I mean, there are days that are more busy than the others, as, as everyone is. Uh, but uh, well, they have five more, five hours more than here, so it's not bad. the The thing for me is when they play, for example, in Australia, <laughs> China, that's difficult. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> I try to to stay awake, but sometimes I just <laughs> doze <laughs> off, and, and and I have to watch the game the next day or or something, or I try uh, at least try to watch the highlights. Look, Melina, it's been a pleasure having you on Totally Pro League. Um, all the best supporting your Argentinian... What do you call the, the, men, the men that lost Lionos and, and the women that lost Leonos? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the women came up with the name back in 2000, but the men did it just a few, few years ago. Uh, yeah, that would be in English, uh, the Lionesses and the Lions. Uh, <laughs> So, it's a family of lions. <laughs> well, Argentinian hockey looks like a family from afar. And we'll have to get you on the reverse stick talking about uh, Argentinian hockey at some stage as well and you know, find out a bit more what goes on there. For a lot of people, it's a long way away and it's a little bit in the back corner, but it's a time we gave you a, a bit more credit and you know, found out more about what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I will try to catch up with the next games. Uh, so if you invite me <laughs> the next time, uh, I will surely be able to, to say a word or two. Excellent. Thank you very much, Melina. And thank you to everybody that's been uh, listening to this 10th episode of Totally Pro League. We'll be back in about 10 days or so once we get through the Easter break and uh, back into the hockey action. Thanks for your company. <laughs> <laughs>